FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 40... 40 snicked? I wasn't going to do that. I was thinking to myself, I don't do it. We did it last time. I don't want to repeat the joke and ruin the spontaneity. And then I did it on accident anyway. (laughs) I like 40 snicked. Yeah. 46 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, with co-host Denise Seibert. Oh man, I wanted to say me. Oh. Well, you know, maybe next time. All right, so uh, uh, yesterday for recording time, uh, probably about a week ago when you're listening to this, Denise ish. and I, yeah, a week-ish, uh, Denise and I went to see the Wolverine movie. The Wolverine. Yes. Old school 70s style when Wolverine referred to himself not only in the third person, but with a definite article. Well... However, in this movie... Right? In English majors, is that the, the Wolverine? The would be the definite article there? I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know. Art major. Not, <laughs> not an English major. However, he only refers to himself once. I think the word Wolverine in English always is always said twice. I think you're right. In Japanese, it's... Well, not to ruin too much, but... Everybody knows they're in Japan. Well, right, right, right. But there's a Japanese word referred to Wolverine. I don't know if that actually translates Wolverine or if it translates to the plot point that I'm not going to mention. I think it refers to the plot point that you're not going to mention. Okay. All right. Anyway. Well, so speaking of all that, since it's still pretty new, I want to kind of give just a uh, spoiler-free first impression. I know some people have already reached out to me on Facebook for my opinion, and so I want to give everybody else the... The chance to know what I think. You listen to the podcast, you know, I'll say what I think. You write in, say what you think. We'll go from there. <laughs> so, Denise, without any major spoilers, what did you think of the movie? Without any major spoilers? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Just be vague. Be vague in general. Paint. Be vague in general. Here's the art metaphor for you. Paint with a broad stroke. Or a big brush. How does that go? Um. So, I loved it. A lot actually and um i love hugh jackman as wolverine i do too i think he continues to embody and mirror the character we see in the comic not everything is like point for point but i feel like he has the spirit of the character he makes the right movements the right dialogue which is Partly the writer, but also his delivery is perfect. So Yeah, his delivery. So I credit him with that as well, obviously. But I will say the the written aspect of Wolverine, as far as his dialogue in this movie, I was... spot on, yeah. Yeah, it, I was completely enthralled with how well it was written. Right, I, yeah. I thought there were several lines, even one or two lines that were obviously fan service, but... Even those weren't really well in context, I thought. They didn't seem too, like, shoehorned in. Right. Like, I don't know, it felt... It was organic. I felt like I was watching a Wolverine movie. There were things I didn't... I didn't think matched up quite right, but it felt like the Wolverine from the comics was on the big screen. Yes. But honestly, even in the ups and downs of the X-Men franchise and 
that other Wolverine movie. Even the parts I didn't like. <laughs> that li- other Wolverine yeah. movie. Even in parts I didn't like as much. I've always I felt Jackman in every installment has kind of done that same thing. I, I feel like he's been just about as good of a real person playing Wolverine as you can get. Which would be interesting because, you know, I was telling you the other day, you know, even though he, he's obviously still excited about it and has talked about, you know, I don't know how serious he is, but he's, you know, he's kind of joked or, or sent red herrings or whatever in interviews about how he would love for uh, his Wolverine to show up in the Avengers movies like he, you know, he's kind of an Avenger now in the comics. Right. So he's definitely still into the character, but at some point in his life, he's going to get tired of doing it or he'll just get too old. But Marvel or Fox or whoever has the rights at that point in time, probably Fox, they'll probably keep making movies regularly enough to keep it. They're going to still do X-Men movies and then Wolverine will still be in them. So at some point, someday, they're going to have to get another person to play Wolverine on screen. And they're going to be hard-pressed to find somebody that does as good of a job as Jackman. Now, it's possible because, for example, even though they were very different, like, we've had two really good Jokers, Jack Nicholson, and yes. obviously Heath Ledger's was epic. Yes. But, you know, they're both different kind of takes. They're both really, really good. So it's possible they can find somebody else. But. Well, and if they do it right, like, we, we had a discussion, I think, this morning on how the Harry Potter series, you know, the first Dumbledore died. Right. And so they, they were forced to bring in a new Dumbledore. Right. And, it, you know, I had made the comment, they did it right because instead of trying to force the audience to believe that the new actor was still the old actor. They bought him a complete... I mean, they, they revamped his costume. They revamped his appearance. And they and it worked. And it also worked because I think by the time the new Dumbledore was introduced, the, the meek and mild Dumbledore showed his face of how, you know, badass, I guess, in the, a good way is right. saying it. And yeah. so it, it worked. And I, I think if they do it right, by the time Jackman doesn't want to do it anymore, someone can bring their own spin on it and it can still be good. Right. So that was definitely an interesting tangent, but let's kind of get back to uh, the movie we saw. I thought it was really good because because obviously Jackman nails the character, but also we see the claws soon and we see them often. Like yes. They don't make us wait a long time for Wolverine to pop the claws and they don't stay put away for very long. One of the, um, I don't know, you, I feel like since we've liked it, I kind of want to address all the complaints, but kind of another no, uh, part uh, of me wants to- Spoiler free, spoiler free. Well, no, no. But part of me also kind of wants to ignore them. <laughs> And just saying, well, tough. But, um, you know, but, but one of the things that I've heard from a lot of people is that it was boring. What? Sli- well, okay, but I will admit that there are parts of it that are a little dialogue heavy, but I thought it all added depth to the character and developed the character and the, the supporting characters. Like, I didn't think any of it felt unnecessary or filler. Like, I felt like it all contributed to the story. So to me, and honestly, I mean, I've said this before, I'm being a bigger fan of more indie type films. That part, even if it was quote unquote slow, it's not going to feel that way to me because that's kind of what I like. <laughs> so I always... Um... Well, I'm just the opposite of you. Right. So, in fact, I, I've i always joked that Lord of the Rings, I could edit all three movies down to an hour and a half. 
<laughs> but I, I didn't feel that way. No, I didn't like, either. I really, it had me engulfed pretty much the whole time. The only parts where I got a little bit disinterested, which I'll say this without trying to spoil too much, I didn't like the Viper, either the actress or the character in the in the movie. Like, I didn't really feel like she was necessary, and I didn't feel like the actress did a very good job with it. I, I, I felt like the delivery was really flat i thought her character was necessary i just i agree with you i wasn't fond of the actress and i (laughs) this isn't gonna really spoil anything i wasn't fond of her costumes right right well they actually tried to stay true to the comic in a couple of places a couple of scenes with her wardrobe and didn't look so hot shiny spandex never really looked so hot (laughs) Right. There was also kind of some some talk about some of the ways it differed from the comic. Some of the characters have different traits that obviously aren't in the comic, and I don't really want to talk about too much of that yet. Uh, we'll probably revisit some of this and we can actually talk about it a month or so, and, and give a little more in depth. Uh, kind of on the things we actually really liked and disliked and why. I think what I, what I put on Twitter, and I may put this on Facebook too, kind of sums it up best. It wasn't a perfect movie, but it was a damn good Wolverine movie, I thought. And uh, the reviews I've seen have been very, like, polarizing. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. Well, I want to say, you know, we took Ethan to the movies today not to see Wolverine. No, no, no. Um, We're responsible parents. Yes. But... While I was checking out the movie times... It was Despicable Me, too. Yeah, it would be a kid movie. (laughs) It was good. While I was looking up the movie times for Despicable Me, it had the Rotten Tomato, and he's only at 65%. Wolverine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which surprised me. Rotten Tomato is based on uh, critics, so that's more critical. Oh, I thought it was also based on as people saw the movie and rated it. I think that goes into account, yes. Okay. I just expected it to be a whole lot higher. Yeah, I kind of did too. It was really weird. And even just in the like fanboy arena, as far as like diehard Wolverine fans, I've seen people that have said best movie of all the X-Men franchise. And I've had some people say worst thing to ever have Wolverine's name on it ever. What? I don't know how you can watch Origins and think this is worse than that. But I don't know how anyone could watch the movie we just watched and and think that it was bad. Right. I don't know either. But some people really didn't like it. And I respectfully disagree with that. I don't respectfully disagree. Well, you should. (laughs) Because everybody's movie experience is different. I mean, sometimes just the differences in the story beats really turn people off. And that's... There's nothing wrong with that. To me, I don't get personally as caught up into that because I know that movies based on comics are the same as movies based on books. If you love comics as much as I do, I'm not going to try to say that every comic writer is as good as John Steinbeck. Obviously, he's a huge Steinbeck fan. <laughs> I'm not going not gonna to say that, you know, X-Men is, you know, the grapes of wrath. But I do consider my comic books both art and when they're good, literature. Like, I don't have any problem saying that at all. You can have a good storyline. You know, and I can back that up because I have some friends who are English teachers that would say the same thing. <laughs> I've had that conversation before. So, in the vein of literature, just like any book, the movie of a comic book will never be as good as the source material. No. With the few exceptions where, you know, there's, you know maybe 5% of movies based on books are actually better than the book. 
Like Fight Club. Oh, I've never read Fight Club. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a good book, but even the author was like, oh, the movie's better. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> but, um, all your fans are going to roll their eyes. So in the very last Twilight movie, the last five minutes is I'm better than the book. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes. You can edit that out. Those movies are unwatchable. The li- I, I read all the books. I know. And I, I watched the movies. And the last five minutes of the very last movie is better than the book. So anyway, for me, one kind of the point I was trying to make is that just like when I see a movie based on a book I really like, when I see a movie based on comics, I have to make a mental separation or it doesn't work for me. Not everybody has to do that. Some people just don't care. Well, some but people can't me, separate. Yeah, but for me, being passionate about both, I can't think of them as the same thing. So when I heard that this movie was based on the Wolverine miniseries by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller, I knew going in it would be a very loose adaptation. I've been purposely avoiding reading the miniseries for two reasons. A, I want to wait till I get there in the flashback episodes, which will probably be about a year or so, maybe a little less, I hope. But also, I didn't want it. I didn't want to try to compare this movie to that because I knew it wouldn't be the same, and I knew it wouldn't be as good. I mean, just frankly, as much as I like this movie, it's not as good as that series. And so, to me, I guess, I guess what I'm kind of getting at, to me, trying to compare the two directly just poisons both in your own mind, and I think it'll make you like both less. I can see that. But and if not both, at least the movie. If you try, I, but anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to rant too much on that, but that's just kind of my uh, my answer to some of the uh, some of the fanboy. And I I am a fanboy. I mean, definitely. I think about comics all the time. I read comics all the time. I mean, I'm I'm that guy, that nerd. So, but to me, I just I have to make an intellectual break break between the two artistic renditions of the the comic and the film. I think the biggest test to me recently that was a Man of Steel. I didn't feel like, but see, but here, right, so here's the, the real difference to me is regardless of the plot points, there, there are ways I'm not sure if that movie reflected the character of Superman. Whereas this movie, Wolverine, maybe there's points that are different and things that were inaccurate, but I felt like the movie reflected Wolverine. And so I guess that's kind of what I'm going to come around and, and, and end up on is that, no, it's definitely not perfect. And no, it does not live up, you know, frame by frame to the source material. But I feel like it's true to Wolverine as a character and to the comic character. And that to me, and plus I just, I thought the plot was interesting enough. I respect people that didn't get into it. If you thought it was boring, then you know, hey, that's your thing. But to me, I wasn't bored at all. I wasn't bored at all. And those people who thought it was boring can kiss my... Mm. That's not nice. Some of our good fans thought it was boring. Really? Yeah. And they're still good fans, and I still appreciate their input. I just respectfully disagree. <laughs> I disagree as well. Yeah. So anyway, with so I feel like we didn't really give anything away there. So let's, uh, let's do what we do with our comic books. How many uh, claws did you give it? Three. You gave it three? Okay. Um... Kind of on the, on the line, I really didn't like the Viper stuff. But everything else was good enough to me. I'm going to give it probably not quite as hard as you, but a three out of three claws as well. I did think... Oh, crap. We should have done this first. Remember our ratings. I, did you think... What do you think about, like, the effects, technology, production, that kind of stuff? 
I think it's better than all the other movies. I agree. There were a couple of things that there was one scene they were, were when they were driving that seemed obviously they weren't yes. really driving. And I think it was when they first when Mariko or not uh, Mariko Yukio first took Wolverine to Japan. And there, I think that's what it was, but I could be wrong. But I, there's a scene where they're driving together, and it looked very obvious that the scene behind them wasn't really behind them. Yeah, so there were a couple minor things like that, but they were very brief, and nothing like Origins, like the first time he pops his claws and it looked like shit. And the claws looked good in the movie, I thought. I thought overall the effects were pretty good. Yeah, so again, we'll talk about more later, but we both gave the Wolverine three out of three claws, and that's apparently a controversial grade, but hey, I would like to hear I've gotten a little bit of input from people I'd like to hear some more see what people think about it alright let's get to the the comic books for the podcast here so alright yay comics okay first up we have Wolverine number 7 this is Wolverine in Mortal Mortal, Mortal Kombat <laughs> that sounded like you were being killed <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to yell into the microphone uh, anyway, it fits because Wolverine, now he's mortal, but he's going to still be fighting. So he will have mortal combat! <laughs> sounds like someone's... <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> Get over here! Alright, well this is written by Paul Cornell, with pencils by Mirko Pierre Federici. Carl Kessel is the inker. Andre Mosa is the colorist. VCs Corey Pettit is the letterer. Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, and Matt Hollingsworth did the cover. And let's start with the cover, because I think this is pretty dang sweet. Okay, so as everybody knows, I'm on the iPad. You have the paper comic? Yes. I thoroughly prefer your the colors in your comic rather than the iPad. Again, a little more faded, a little more subtle. Yeah, it's just, it looks so much cooler. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So basically, let's describe what we have here. We have kind of a uh, tattered and battered Wolverine, and he's kind of grimacing, and he's got like cuts all over his face, and his uniform's all ripped up. And he's kind of got his fist in front of him like he's about to put up his dukes. And uh, his hands are all wrapped in bandages. And there's three, like, spots on each hand, like, where the blood is soaked through from where his claws come out. It's a very striking image. And even, like, besides the fact that his hands look awesome and, and the blood spots are very telling. But to me, the, the facial expression is what really sells the cover. Like, the angle of the eyes yes. and, and the, the face he's making. I don't know, just... It's a very evocative cover. I like it a whole, whole lot. It's it's moving. Yeah. There's a, so much emotion that's evoked in this cover. It's You literally, this cover, like I said last time, was the only thing that made me want to read <laughs> the inside. Okay, well, but read the inside we did. Mm-hmm. So let's get to it. Okay, so we open up the comic. We're at the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning. And what we didn't realize from before is that when Wolverine loses his healing factor, his head shrinks. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only person. <laughs> no. Um, I'm going to go on record as saying that, oh, well, okay, I'm going to go halfway on record. Halfway? Yeah. I think, <laughs> like... I think in some ways, 
know, we've kind of not been real high on this guy's pencils. I think in some places they got a lot better. But this is not one of them. Wolverine's body like looks fine. And uh, his beast is actually not bad, but his head is just too small. It's way too small. <laughs> in fact, okay, so you're you're say so when you draw someone you're like seven heads tall, he'd be like twelve. <laughs> Nine and a half, to Nine be precise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tiny head. Yes. That, you know, I guess the healing factor keeps his, his brain. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, Wolverine is all bandaged up. He has lots of wounds all over his body, his face, arms. He's got a big gash in his side. And Beast is confirming what we were kind of suspe- suspicious of last time. Wolverine's healing factor is gone. Poof. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, He's very apologetic. He wants to help Wolverine out. He says he's consulted all the big scientists. I recognize Tony Stark and Henry Pym. I don't know who Sante Sardini is. Or Sardinia. Or Sardine. I don't know. So we find out that the quote-unquote empty bullet that was in his shoulder contained a dose of this. And Beast says, I can hardly say it. Because... Just like us as the reader, he knows it's a stupid idea. He says, an intelligent virus from the microverse, which is just daggum ridiculous. Now tell us how you really feel. Yeah, Beast can't believe it, either can I. (laughs) So apparently this was the, the backup plan of the microverse villains to switch off his ability to heal. Yay, so we finally figured out one cookie. Well, we kind of knew that already. And the virus went in there. Are you talking about the bullet? The bullet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he says his healing factor put up a hell of a fight and it burned the virus out of your system. Well, then how yeah. is he not healing? Right. It changed him. Ugh. Stupid. <laughs> the good, and then we get, and this gets worse. The good news, I've managed to synthesize a magic drug to counteract the adamantium poisoning. Okay. That's convenient. Yeah. So, you're mortal. You know, you know but who you is, won't get lead poisoning. Well yeah. Yeah. This uh the plot mandated that he uh, synthesized his drug. Which I will say at least he addressed it. Yes. At least they didn't ignore it and say, Oh, he doesn't need to worry about the adamantium. Like at least it's a dumb way to address it, but at least it's addressed. Yeah. Yeah. More <laughs> more magic. Everything about this whole story is becoming very Hogwarts? Magic. <laughs> we magically changed Wolverine with the virus. We magically combated the adamantium poisoning. Too bad this magic won't return the healing factor. Oh, but as, it as will. As long as we're messing with magic. <laughs> it will eventually. Magic will bring it back. Probably. Anyway, so magical magical plot magic device bullet. is what we're talking about. <laughs> magic bullet. That, isn't that what killed JFK? <laughs> I was going to say, he has to go through <laughs> Dallas to get it. Oh, well, come to Dallas, Wolverine. So basically, he's vulnerable to injury, and he'll age at the normal rate. And uh, they address the, the previous time where he lost his healing factor by saying, it wasn't like this. Duh. <laughs> That's nice and vague. Yeah. Basically, all that does is say, it's Cornell saying, yes, I'm aware we've done this before, but this is different. And you'll have to read to find out how. But Beast is starting looking for a cure. And I like what Wolverine says here. He says... That'd be what now? A cure for death? 
you find that hate, the world will come knocking on your door. And then Beast uh, talks about his own mutations, and he tries to give Wolverine a hug. Oh, Beast I, is getting uh, sympathetic. I actually like this. You're, you're making fun of it, but I think it shows their deep friendship. So and I guess ha- I didn't realize how deep their friendship was, so when I got to this, it was like, wow, yeah. Beast is getting in touch with his feminine side. <laughs> but um, you get the feeling that the Wolverine's not like being like, prideful and turning down the hug I, it looks in his face like it like beast is just squeezing him too hard and he can hurt now so he's like oh hey let go like quit <laughs> you're gonna break my ribs or i already have a broken <laughs> rib it's like getting a hug from george at church <laughs> i thought that i didn't say it though uh, what you didn't see is in the previous panel wolverine took off his glasses oh <laughs> No inside joke there. Um, All your podcast listeners are going, what the right. fuck? I'm editing that out. <laughs> I'm not going to get an explicit tag over here. That's why I stopped. Yeah. Then Wolverine puts on a black tank top. And this part, see, I like. I think his uh, Pierre Federici's art on Wolverine has gotten a lot better. And I like most of this page quite a bit. I like the face Wolverine's making where he's like, trying to shave and you get the feeling like oh i bet he shaved with his claws in the past <laughs> well it was funny because i thought what well, i get why okay so i get well, they why come he's back to nervous. this later too yeah. yeah well and it's funny because it's like wow yeah i guess before it didn't matter if you nicked yourself right right you can bleed out and just come back yeah so i'm wondering how many times like <laughs> beast or uh Iceman or someone came, and they were getting ready to go on a mission or go to go to like have a meeting. And then come in the bathroom and Wolverine's laying on the floor with his neck cut, cut open and shaving cream all over the place. And they're like, "All right, well, when he heals, he'll come to the meeting." Wolverine cut himself shaving again with his claws. But anyway, I thought this was really cool, and I actually enjoyed like I'm kind of like nervous he looked like he's trying to learn to shave for the first time. Yeah, it looked really cool. And Wolverine's like, I gotta get out of here. And I'm not real sure why there's giant skulls all over Times Square. I mean, it sets the mood. mortal. <laughs> right. I get, I get that. And actually, death. Overall, it's... I really, really like this splash page. I think Wolverine looks awesome. I he think does the look rain awesome. looks really cool, and the way he's everybody else has an umbrella, and he's just standing there in the rain, and he's got his bandaged up fists clenched. I do like this page. I. I get the skulls or something. I get of the skulls as like, yeah, I get it as symbolism. I just, I guess I kind of have to in my head say, well, that's just Wolverine seeing that. Like, it's not really there. And that makes no sense for there to be a bunch of skulls that yeah. everybody sees in Times Square. But quite honestly, but, I, I kind of feel like they lessen the panel. If Like, if you put your hand kind of over him, that panel becomes so much stronger when it's just him in the rain and everyone ignoring him. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. But but don't you agree that the art is, is significantly better than the first couple of go-arounds? It is a little bit better than a couple. I still have issues with it, but it is better. Yeah. I think his Nick Fury is better, too. His Nick Fury is I don't is really better. have it. Other I'm just than not the... fond of his Wolverine. Oh, see, actually, I'm, I'm, fond... I'm, I'm just not digging that. Oh, you're okay. Yeah, some parts I like it a lot. All right, so Wolverine's like tries to walk out into the street and barely misses getting hit by a cab. He's like, "Hey, watch it! I'm walking here." <laughs> he says, "You could have." Then he kind of stops and says, "You could have." Then Nick Fury shows up, wants to buy him a drink for saving his life. And then we get to see how much of a midget. Ab- and talk about his situation. Though uh, apparently, in between getting rained on, the rain stops. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I really feel like that whole, nothing about that panel actually happened. <laughs> no, it was just The rain was art. imagining, the bandages was imagining, because he's got glo- he's got uh, homeless guy gloves on. He's got bandages on under Underneath his Underneath them, yeah. Yeah, but um, he... <laughs> He pickpocketed the homeless guy when he got disapparated. Okay, the guy that was selling jars of piss. Yes. <laughs> Stole his gloves. Yeah. So Wolverine, uh, Nick Fury, they go back to the Guarnica bar, question mark, if I'm saying that right. And Nick Fury Jr. Jr. says, the virus always leaves an unconscious host. Probably so we couldn't get a sample. Okay, so they okay, kind they of answered kind that. Kind of answered. Not a very good answer, but... No. But it, again, at least he's addressing... Second so, stale cookie. Yeah. <laughs> stale cookies, yes. But the helicarrier was crawling with it. So we've been examining it and and you might find something to help me. That's great. Thanks for letting me know. So Logan's being all He's being a diva. Uh, he's, he's getting depressed, which is understandable. I don't mind this too much. Well, um, yeah. But I, I guess I kind of feel like you said he's lost his powers before. Yeah, but not like this. Remember, that's what they said. <laughs> Oops. This time, it's for real. Isn't that what they always say in the movie sequels? This time, it's bigger and better than This time, it's for real. He says, I'm used to pain, so I shave real quick. I don't take care. And that's kind of, I guess, kind of the thesis of this issue is that this is making him realize that he really... He's reckless. He is completely reckless and hasn't ever had to worry about it before. Yeah. He's always had a devil-may-care attitude. No, he's always just sort of. <laughs> like he's how Nick gay, you know, in a way, I kind of feel like this panel is trying to allude to the fact that he himself gave himself a god complex, and now he's realizing. Yeah, or at least a, a feeling of invincibility, and now right. suddenly he's not invincible anymore. So they're at a bar. Is Nick Fury Jr. Jr. drinking milk or water there? It's kind of like a glass of milk. Maybe he's a little low on his vitamin D. Okay, I like how when he's when Wolverine talks about how reckless he is. Nick Fury Jr. Jr. says, well, that explains a lot. And he says, I'm thinking of buying a safety razor like I'm 13, Wolverine says. I'm going to pretend now his voice is going to start cracking with that as he went back to two. <laughs> um, I am today thinking of buying a safety razor like I'm 13. That sounded like a... Muffet? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, my Beaker. voice hasn't cracked in a long time. I don't know how to do there it. There you go. <laughs> Who's Vic? Is that the, the lady doctor from the last couple yeah, issues? I think so. Vict- Victoria Von Doom, right? It must right? be. Okay. So apparently she came up with another magic thing, an antivirus field, which, okay, so. When did she do that? Well, no, I, I'm A-OK with not showing. They have to show everything, especially the boring stuff. I'm OK with them skipping that. My question is, though, so I, I kind of assumed he loses his healing factor. He becomes normal. But now they're kind of treating him like, oh, he lost his healing factor. He's like a newborn. Like he has no, like, immune system at all. Is that what we're supposed to, like, take from this? Or are they all are they all wearing, like, antivirus fields so they don't get this microverse virus? Is that, maybe that, I guess that's probably it. So Wolverine starts talking about all the things that could kill him. <laughs> and now he has allergies. Yeah, I, thought that, I actually thought that was pretty funny. He sneezes and he's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I got allergies now? All right, so then Thor shows Honey up. Honey, Wolverine. And everything I said about this guy's art getting better goes out the window with this Thor. I don't, his Thor looks weird to me. His Thor looks like, uh, oh gosh, Fabio. Yes, okay. Well, now I kind of like it more. 
Because now I think he's just joking around. And, and that he has. Because I'm not Fabio. a real big Thor fan. And if he drew it like Fabio on purpose, then maybe he's poking a little bit of fun. And I'm totally down with that. <laughs> I can't believe it's not butter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so um, I'm here to make you laugh. Right, so Wolverine gets mad at Thor. He kind of pitches a fit because he came to remind him that he's immortal, and Wolverine doesn't like that. He knocks over everybody's water, and Thor talks about how it's a blessing to be mortal, that the ability to die makes life taste that much sweeter, which, you know. In real life, I kind of agree with that. I do like how Thor also addresses his fit. It says, ah, a warrior needs something to fight. Because Wolverine can't really fight this virus anymore. Right. And so he, he is probably going to lash out a little bit. That, I think, falls within Wolverine's character. So that's, I'm all right with that. <laughs> then we move on to Thor taking a dump. What is going on with that panel? Where? <laughs> what is he doing? He's not sitting in a chair. No, he's trying to take a poop. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's trying to get up. It's just the most awkward. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think he is trying to get up, but he does look like he's about to drop a deuce on the floor. He's had too much meat. He's going to just poop all over the place. Not enough fiber. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was in the bathroom. Oh. He's got water with him to help flush it. <laughs> I like all their clear white beer they're drinking. Anyway, Thor kind of gives uh, Wolverine a pep talk. He says, I like how you've changed since first we met. The responsibility that has come with years. Mortality is a gift, decorous to the person you are now. The completion of him. You don't wish to hear this now, but you will come to see it. Tis, he should have said, tis true. That would have been Thor talk. All right. So, a luxury hotel, this down on us luck, and willing to turn a blind eye. I thought that was pretty funny. Pretty clever. Yeah. All right. So, basically, you have a bunch of two-bit thugs and their entourage. It says the entourage of the showy sort of minor supervillain. Basically, they're all kind of joking about Wolverine. I like how he says, you're going to die for real this time. You can go on Thunderbird. You ain't coming back, which is a great reference. Because Thunderbird is like one of the few Marvel characters in the history of Marvel. And this stayed dead. I oh, think, really? Yeah, like he died in you know, like X-Men, uh, I think it was 94, 95? Like way back in the in the seventies, like right at Wolverine's second or third appearance, and other than a brief stint as a zombie, which doesn't really count as coming back to life, he's been dead the whole time, which okay. is pretty freaking rare. There used to be an expression that no one stays dead in comics except for Bucky, because forever Bucky, Captain America's sidekick, died in like nineteen fifty or fifty one. And he stayed dead until like 2009, late 2000s. So in the 80s and 90s, the expression was no one stays dead except for Bucky. But even Bucky's come back. Well, Thunderbird, he's actually stayed dead. So anyway, that was a nice little joke and a nice little nod to comic history. Then someone uh, has a really stinky fart that's (laughs) killing everybody in there. It's the girl trying to hide it. Right. Acting like she's dancing. Anyway, the the two bit villains are basically saying that, oh yeah, time to take a shot at Wolverine. <laughs> He's weak. And the guy's choking on his own what? I don't know who's I don't know who farted. So <laughs> I can't tell who's who's choking on uh, what. The, the microverse. Well, I don't. There's no bubbles in the people playing in the pool, so no one farted in the pool. And 
all these girls. It could have been there's a girl dancing on the side. <laughs> it, could, it might be coming from her butt. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> but nobody's noticing the bodyguard choking. They don't really care, man. They're villains. They ain't got time to worry about no bodyguard. Anyway, so Wolverine stumbles out of the bar with Nick Fury Jr. and says, I only had 10, I guess. Beer, more of an effect. And also, importantly, I think beer has more of an effect on me now. On me. <laughs> that was really funny. That was actually like legit drunk talk. Where he like repeats himself a minute after he, like yeah. he forgot he said something and says it again. I thought that was actually really cool. And then uh, Nick Fury Jr. Jr. wants him to come to a meeting about the virus. And Wolverine's like, yeah, probably won't make that. He stumbles off into the crowd. Into a pregnant woman? Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that too. She's about, what, seven, eight months along? Right. And then I guess he follows her for a minute. So then we go to Australia and we see some guy named Bile. And he's meeting some guy who's in a yellow polo shirt. I don't know who he's supposed to be, but apparently he's important. He's always back to us. So I guess he's a virus controller too. So both these are like virus guys and they blow up. Boom. Someone set off. And boom goes the dynamite. Right. And then some Wolverine drunk dials and he's not sure who he's drunk dialing. Carol? No. Uh, Jessica, is that you? Oh, oh, you're an answering machine. Okay, well, this was me. Night! So <laughs> Wolverine drunk. is drunk. He's never been drunk before. Poor His Wolverine. His healing factor uh, breaks down the alcohol faster than he can drink it. So now he's just, he's drunk as a skunk. He's about to make an international drunk call to Japan. So he's drunk and dial like a fool. Then some guy tries to mug him. I like how Wolverine looks genuinely scared as this guy pulls a knife on him. Then we get our first snicked, but Wolverine yells when he snicks. He's like, damn it. We get a close-up on his hand, and we can see all kinds of blood around where the claws came out. And then he goes back to the Jean Grey school, and he goes to Nightcrawler's grave marker. And he's uh, kind of talking to, to Nightcrawler about how he's never really had to worry about the afterlife. And, of course, remember Nightcrawler was uh, very spiritual. Right. And kind of the only person that, Wolverine could talk to kind of about those kinds of things. So it's it's cool that he came kind of to talk to his old friend again. I did find this this whole page very touching. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. So he goes, I can't think of it. I can't imagine it. I've always been further away from it than almost everyone else. So basically saying he's never even really given real consideration to the afterlife. Then he says this, he puts his hand on the marker and he says, I miss you, Elf. I keep waiting for magic to change the world and bring you back. It's not happening. Man, too bad he can't get some of that magic that uh, <laughs> took away his healing factor and then uh, controlled his adamantium poisoning. I have a wand And of course, borrow. not to be too spoilery, but there's a lot of hubbub that might have something to do with what he's talking about here. Just, just saying. If you want to be spoiled, you can go find stuff on the internet about stuff oh. coming up towards the end of the year. Interesting. That's all I'll say. So if you don't want to know, you don't have to know. If you want to, you can go find it. All right? Google it, your friend. So then Storm shows up and says she's basically been waiting for Wolverine to come here, which I thought that was cool, too, because Wolverine and Storm were pretty good friends. Maybe more. We'll cool. see in a minute. But um, I thought it was like that she knew that Wolverine would want to come see Nightcrawler in his situation he's in. So that was cool. And he basically says, the kids can't see me like this. 
And she's like, no, but you're going to come back to my place for coffee, literally. And so uh, Wolverine says he came to a decision, and Storm's like, no, you didn't. And Wolverine's like, yeah, I got to deal with this. And she says, but you haven't even started yet, so please, no decisions. And he says, if I'm, I'm going to get older, then maybe it's time I settled down, built a home. And I like what Storm says here. He's, she says, but he said it anyway, even though I just told him not to. He's like, Logan, you have built a home here. Now hush. And she moves in for a kiss. And instead of showing the kiss, they show a lightning bolt. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, beyond just the, like, rom-com movie, like, oh, when we kiss, we see sparks. The storm can actually make it lightning with their emotions. So yeah. I think it's, like, literal lightning. And then possibly more because uh, they're not in uniform anymore. She's in a little robe. Well, and, and she says... maybe uh, got it on. She says at the end, when, right after they kiss, it says, come on, there's something else that needs doing. Yeah, and they did it. Did it good. <laughs> well, so... <laughs> I don't know, you know, Storm's a pretty clean lady, but I hope, I hope Wolverine was safe this time without his healing factor. Oh, yeah, we did have a whole conversation on that once. <laughs> yeah, Let's not go back there. He can't get STDs, but now he can. Now he can. <laughs> Watch where you stick it. Well, he says this is this is different, and uh, Storm is shaving him. I wonder if he's, if he's saying the shaving is different, or if he's saying, like, no, no, no. He sex says, felt different. No, he says, this is, this is, and Storm says, different. different. Yeah. And he goes, not how right. I would have put it. But she's also, she's shaving him while they're saying that. So I'm wondering if he's referring to, like, the feelings of the shaving, or if, like, without his human factor, sex felt different. That's a, I don't want them to be explicit about it. I'm glad they're kind of just dancing around him it is a very interesting question and not well, to be all pervy but i mean it's no but he also it's, it's has interesting if you look at it he has his hand on her hand yeah on her arm yeah right and so i think he's trying to say like wolverine having his the the powers that he does basically he takes care of everybody else and doesn't really worry about himself. Okay, so he has a, a re, like reverse tenderness kind of thing. Right, like he's finally... Like adjusting to his vulnerability a little yes, bit. Yes, he's okay. letting her shave him. And he he's trying to say, like, this is, this is different for me. I'm used to just doing what I do and moving on. Right, all right, cool. I, I can dig that. So anyway, uh, NFJJ calls on the uh, tele- t- TV... I know Storm's like, I thought that was just a TV. <laughs> but, her, her house, but she doesn't know. Right. I wonder if it is. Hey, so she's not like living up in the lofts of the man, of the mansion anymore. Okay. That's always kind of been her thing. But this was like a pretty spacious room. With the old timey heater under the window. You see that? Yeah. Oh, that was funny. All right. So he, uh, Nick Fury Jr. is calling to talk about all the different virus heroes or villains have been struck all over the world. His fingers are creeping me out. Yeah, what's he doing there? Is he typing? <laughs> yes. But he's talking. Why does he have to type? Maybe he's Googling. I don't know. CNN.com. I think, I think he saw a storm in the room and he's trying to grope her. <laughs> he's like, ooh, boomies, boomies. And he's squeezing his hands together. Tune in Tokyo. <laughs> right. Like, can I adjust and dial? <laughs> So he thinks it's the first step in a global plan of attack by the virus to get rid of all the people that can beat them on a virus level. But then this is kind of weird. He says there's only one viral controller left, which I'm going to say maybe. I'm going to go with the current Marvel continuity here with after AVX, 
there's new mutants popping up all over the world, right? For the first time forever, right? Since House of M. And so, I'm just saying there's there's definitely the possibility there's mutants that they have no record of yet. And so, we don't know for sure that every virus controller has been killed, even assuming which I don't think is just knowing the bureaucracy of government. I'm not even sure we can assume they have record of all the ones that existed before. But even if they did, there could be new ones. So I I don't, my gut says that's not how they're going to resolve this story with some new mutant, but I just want to put it out there as a possibility. Anyway, the only one left is called the host. And Nick Fury's Jr. says she hasn't been killed, maybe because she can't. But she has been arrested and confined which I'm, I, I guess he's insinuating on trumped up charges. Okay. And meaning the person who ordered that is a good candidate for having been taken over. And Wolverine gets his jacket. He may be hurt, but he's still going to fight. Go Wolvie. Yeah, go, very Rocky-ish. <laughs> and Nick Fury Jr. Jr. drops a bomb. Wakanda. And Storm's like, oh, you, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> this is the person you think has been taken over? And he's like, yep, T'Challa, the Black Panther, your ex-husband, who has access to some of the most advanced weapons on the planet. Oh, and by the way, the Here. virus lady he arrested, which is what we were talking about. Wolverine's like, I think this date has got worse. And next, killable. And not to focus too much, but since they actually mentioned it in the story, the next cover has... Um, Black Panther fighting Wolverine and Storm. And we know that Alan Davis comes back. I gotta say, if I've ever seen it, I don't remember it, but I'm pretty sure Alan Davis is gonna draw a mean Black Panther. I'm looking forward to that. I've never seen it, so yeah, it'll be a treat. Yeah, I, and just based on the cover image, it looks pretty awesome. Alright, so let's talk about this issue a little bit. I have a feeling you're gonna be pretty negative. What makes you say that? <laughs> I just have a feeling. And I'm going to say that I wanted to be pretty negative, but I can't. So why don't you go first so I can rebut you? So you can rebut me? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds perverted. No, a rebuttal. Okay. Actually, you're going to be shocked. I am, maybe. What are you going to say? What do you got? What do you got? Give it to me. Lay it on me. Okay. So when I first read this, I went, ugh. Yeah. There's a lot of ugh in the first few pages. Yes. That's undeniable. And then I started, you know, I, I read it before I went to work. Yeah. I was making my breakfast, waiting for the eggs to cook. Yeah. Read it. Kind of marinated on it, on the commute into work. Marinated on it while I was working. Came back home. Reread it. Okay. Good, good move. So... What I basically did was I took, what's this, number seven? Yes, number seven. Okay. I just kind of took the first six episodes and flushed it. <laughs> That's very <laughs> similar to something I'm going to say here in a minute. I just flushed it and was like, you know what? Something happened and now Wolverine just can't heal. So let's take it from this book and, and start anew. Okay. And when I did that, the book's rating went up. Okay. Because on first blush, it was ugh, 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 one claw. But after marinating on it, deciding I'm just going to flush the first six. Right. I gave it a very soft, very loose rating. 
Okay. Right, why don't you hold off on the exact number and let me kind of address some of what you said. Okay. Because I, I am a little bit shocked. I was really kind of expecting you to go on another rant. <laughs> oh, um, I, I had my, I, I had You were prepped, I know. When you read rants. it the first time, I was with you and I could tell, even though I hadn't read it yet, I could tell by watching you that you were, you were, you were alone in the chamber. You were ready to go. I but, had all my fleshy come right. back ready. So, so some of what I said would not be as uh, much of a rebuttal as I thought it might be. I actually agree with a lot of what you said. I won't go so far as to say to flush the entire first six issues because I still contend the first three-ish were pretty good. Whatever one I gave it a three-claw rating, I still enjoyed that one. Right. But for the most part... Did you give any of the series a three? Okay, I can't remember. But for me, I had to mentally flush everything else because, yeah, we still don't know about the incubator. I don't think that's going to come back. It might. That's just stupid. You can't make it the very last page of something and then not ever answer it. The incubator was just going to be the bomb that blew up in Yankee Stadium. With all the blood? All right, look. No, I actually actually thought about this um, the last few days. They have to, the virus, the mic, see, I don't really like that they keep calling it a virus. That kind of bugs me. Because they're actually like. It bugs you? They're they're actually creatures from the microverse that in our world would be like normal size. Like a virus is actually just a very limited cellular organism. Right. They're just tiny. Yeah, and it always drives on instinct. These things actually are sentient. Anyway, it's a good enough analogy, I guess. No, so they have to travel by contact. Okay. So, instead of filling a container full of corpses, they're inside you. These guys bleed out. All of that blood that goes in there is full of these little creatures. So, uh-huh. basically, we have an incubator full, like, full of just thousands, maybe millions of these, of these monsters from the microverse. That's just stupid. I don't think so, though. I mean, besides well, the fact that I hate the microverse, let's throw that out for a second. Let's let's try to be. There's just so many better ways to. I agree, but but the plan could conceivably work. The plane crashes or blows up above New York's Yankee Stadium, and all everything that was in that container, those germs or whatever, can just fall out and infect everybody in that stadium. No. I think I, so. No. They're better off they're better off slicing their arms, running into a hospital and going, Help, I accidentally tried to kill myself and yes. having everyone in that hospital touch them. Okay, that's that's conceivable too. I'm not saying it's the best point. I'm just saying I understand it. Alright, so that said, yes, I don't like that this intelligent virus was somehow able to to beat Wolverine's healing factor. I don't think that's really how that works. I think regardless of what it was, healing Wolverine's healing factor is strong enough it would have kicked him out or, or killed him or whatever. Because basically we're saying that it's changing his DNA, which I still am adamantly against. And I don't like all the like magic plot devices about the adamantium, about fighting off the adamantium poisoning, but then not being able to, to reverse the virus. I, all that's really, really dumb. And I don't... That part of it actually gets no claws. But from the point where him and Beast hug forward, I actually found to be a very compelling story. And I've said all along, even in the parts that I hated, I feel like Cornell has nailed Wolverine as a character. I don't like all the details of the story, but I feel like uh, Paul Cornell gets Wolverine. 
Like the way he interacts, the way he talks, the things he does, I just it feels familiar. It feels like the character I love. Like everything he's doing in this situation makes sense and I like a lot. So yes, if you can discard how he lost his healing factor, then this becomes a very interesting story. Yes. I can't really completely flush it like you did because, I mean, it's there. That is the plot, and we're still going to fight the virus. Like, that's still part of the plot. The microverse stuff still exists. We still have to figure out how to beat it, which I'm not super excited about that. What I am excited about is the char- the way Cornell's writing the character. I like a lot. The idea that people are going to hear about this and like, all right, this is my chance to take a shot has a lot of potential, I think. Yeah, but quite honestly, and and I'm I'm just being cynical, but the way I took it and how I could flush it is this book was probably a better start. Had they started with this and just maybe given you some background here and there about his fight and whatnot, this would have made a better intro. Yeah. Well, my, my feeling is, you know, you have the whole virus thing, which, again, not a huge fan of. But the, I'm not, you know, some people are going to talk about, because he even alludes to a, the previous time where Wolverine lost his healing factor in that. That was actually a, a okay story that um went downhill kind of fast. <laughs> but there was some good character development during that story. But I feel like the less, and actually, I'm going to steal some of this from a letter in the back of this book. That a guy kind of talks about that the lessons Wolverine learned during that time and not having healing factor, he's kind of already learned and matured past that. And that growth has already taken place. I I think Cornell might be able to add a twist to make different. So I'm not gonna come down too hard on that. Really, my my biggest issue is that I just I think the way, the manner that he lost his healing factor is stupid. I just don't like it. But if I can get past that and read the story as it is now, what's going on now, current, I feel like it's a good character study and has a lot of potential. I think if they, had they, you know... I tried I think to think more, of a better way and I couldn't. Well, but see, okay, I actually came up with a better way. Oh, okay, let's hear it. So, had it just started, you know, Wolverine's making his morning cup of coffee and all of a sudden, you know, he cuts himself while he's trying to grind some beans and all of a sudden he just doesn't heal. And it's this, why is this happening to me? And then you discover the microverse, you know, has decided. Yeah, I still wouldn't like it. Well, you wouldn't like it because it's the microverse. Yeah, because I, I still don't. But I, I think it would have been more interesting had the microverse decided we're going to take over the world, but we can't take over these particular people, meaning Wolverine, Bile, the whatever the Basilis, Basilis, whatever his name is. You know, we can't take over these people because they reject us. So we're gonna we're gonna get rid of them. That would have made a way more interesting um, start. Oh yeah, I agree with that, but I still don't. I would still have trouble with the fact that this virus is somehow able to defeat Wolverine's healing factor. And that's the hardest part I'm having swallowing is I don't. I don't like that some goofy creature from the microverse is able to change on a fundamental I, level what Wolverine can do physically. I don't mind it. Oh, okay. Well, I don't. And that's fine. We can disagree. I don't like it. And you're okay with it. All right. So that said, the art, I'm going to say again, other than the shrunken head on page one 
And other than his Thor, I thought his art got a... Uh, Pierre Federici, that is. I thought his art got a lot better than this issue. I liked it. Overall, I, I actually like enjoyed it. I went from like trying like- not to be too mean about it to actually really... I actually... like. It was good. I enjoyed the art overall. A couple of spots that bugged me, but in the whole of the comic, I thought the art was pretty good. I like his Wolverine for the most part. I like the hair. I thought his facial expressions got a lot better. A little, yeah. And I don't know. Anyway, so that all said, it's going to average out to a very middle of the road two out of three claws. I do. I There's a lot about it I love and a lot about it I hate. And that's just... It makes for a very conflicted rating on my part. Yeah. But I do still think this issue was a good story. I just don't like the story that it's built on. And so uh, take that for what you will. But yeah, so I guess overall you're giving it a very a soft very two. soft. Okay. And not so pointy two claws. Right. Now I'm giving it a very middle of the road. So overall we will say that for Wolverine number seven... Denise and I both gave it two out of three claws. Mine just a hair stronger than hers, but not by much. All right, well, let's move on. All right, so up next we have And the X-Men. It's Wolverine and the X-Men number 33, The Hellfire Saga, part three of five. This is written by Jason Aaron, penciled by Nick Bradshaw, inks by Walden Wong, colors by Laura Martin, Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, Bradshaw, and Maury Hallwell did the cover. So on the cover, we have a giant, looks like an evil Krakoa, picking up the X-Men. We have Beast, and then Wolverine, Rachel, Iceman, and Kitty are all hanging on to each other's legs. Storm and Lockheed are flying around. Um, it's a good cover. It doesn't really stand out to me that much. What do you think of it? You're making a um, face. Too busy for you, or you know, it's like, it's entirely too busy for me. Yeah. Wait. There's a lot of detail with the flora and fauna. Is that how you say that? Yes. On the island of Krakoa. What would you say per inch the flowers are? <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, yeah. There's a lot of flowers and roots and stuff. I just there's so much going on that like visually. If you hold it far away, it looks like one of those. Um, if you hold it far away, you can't figure out what the hell's going on. Right, yeah. And really not even that. Because you don't read your comics far away. When I open it on my... I When I open it on your iPad, and it just gives the little squares of the covers, I I, I couldn't tell what the cover was. No, I... <laughs> no. I, I, when I opened it, I was like, what the hell? And then when I did finally open it and look at the cover big, I literally had to start and just sort of scan back and forth no more than like half an inch at a time to visually understand what was going on. It's just, I personally feel like it's entirely too busy. But that's just me with an art degree. All right. Well, um, let's open up and get into it. Of course, remember the uh, Kid Hellfire Club has set up a new Hellfire Academy and they're stealing students from the Jean Grey School and Wolverine and the other X-Men are trying to figure out where this new Hellfire Academy is located. So we get uh, uh, we start off with a full-page spread of Wolverine and some Bamps diving after the new Death Strike. And they're falling through the Japanese sky. Uh, is 
I don't remember. Are they in Japan? Japan? Japan or New York? I don't remember. I think it actually says later at some point. Okay. Anyway, this is a really cool panel. Deathstrike is shooting guns up at Wolverine, and the bullets are going through his arms and his chest. And we get some uh, inner, we get a narrate narration box. And I'm basically talking about all the school, all the things this school is teaching them to do, that being the Hellfire Academy. Basically, it says, we've been taught to do what we want, when we want, consequences be damned, and to relish in violence and evil and murder and all that stuff. That's pretty much the gist of the curriculum, right? Yes. Then we switch back. Remember Quentin Choir as I kind of turned the tables and we got a, a sneak peek last time that it looked like Toad was going to help him. And now we see that he is. So Quentin Quire is, <laughs> it is seen very, very reminiscent of when slave girl Leia uses her own chains yes. to choke Jabba the Hutt. And she is green. And she is a mojo lady, so kind of huntish. Yeah. So Quentin Quire is using his... sticking out. Like, yeah. Like Jabba the Hutt. It's obviously, I think, an homage. Yeah. And I, I dug it. Quentin Quire using his own chains to choke Lady Mojo or what's her name? Mojo Nika? I don't remember. Something or other. <laughs> anyway. And Toad stepped in and he's fighting Saron. And Saron's like, oh, Toad the janitor. Who, 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 trying to stick up for himself. You're pathetic. And I like this line. Uh, Toad says, it's true. I have been pathetic. But tell me something, Sauron. What would that make you once I'm done kicking your ass? And he hits him with the mop. It's like the mop of justice. It's awesome. This so reminds me of Toxic Avenger. Did you ever watch that? Like Captain Planet? What? No, no. Toxic Avenger. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, he was a guy who looked kind of like Swamp Thing. He was basically made up of like trash and garbage, but he was like a green guy. And he, his two big characteristics was he had on a little pink tutu and he had a mop that he ran around with. Was he dating Captain Planet? <laughs> no, no. The tutu at, at that time in the late 80s and early 90s was ironic. And he was dating Captain Planet. Yeah. So anyway, then it turns out that uh, Kilgore has given over a bunch of his um, hired help from the Hellfire Club for his new students to prove their worth and murder. Do so, they get severance pay? <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, the new students... The Hellions, as they're being called now, the new Hellions, are going to town on these guys. But Idy's slightly hesitating, and we find out that she's the one narrating this whole story. So kind of the whole issue is in her point of view. Yeah. I thought it was weird and kind of unsettling that on the panel, the very panel where she mentions her age as a 14-year-old, that dialogue box is right under her giant boobs. Kind of awkward. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so anyway, we see something here, and um, okay, I'm gonna confess some ignorance. Uh oh. Well, I didn't really read Generation Hope, so the only thing I know about Idy is since she's been in this book. I was gonna say I don't know if her powers switch back and forth. But I just want to point out that right now, because she's kind of fire and ice. Right. Right now, her fire's on her right hand, and her ice is on her left hand. Okay. Okay, so just remember that. So then uh, Toad and Quentin Quire keep taking out their uh, captors. I really like the way Bradshaw draws Toad. I think he looks pretty cool. I like the way that you see that Quentin Quire has been really fighting because around his handcuffs, like he's all bloody. Yeah. So anyway, then they get overtaken by guards. 
But then Dog Logan comes and smashes a whiskey bottle on their heads and takes them out. He says, he tips his hat to Quentin Quire and says, we're even, kid. So how are they even? I was trying to remember. I didn't have time to go back and read. I kind of forgot. Um, it has to do with, with when Dog came back to this series in the Savage Land. I think Quentin kind of helped him do some stuff. Okay. I'm assuming he probably helped save his life at some point. I can't really remember. Okay. You can go listen to my uh, previous episodes with Wolverine and the X-Men and find out exactly what happened. Okay. Because it, it is in the last few epi- last few issues. Like, it's in the previous story arc. Okay. But, um, anyway, he decides, hey, now, I saved your life, we're even, and he walks off. He's not going to be good or bad. But then he, he, dog, crosses Sabretooth. And I don't, at first I thought Sabretooth knew what he did, but I don't think he does. I think he just is picking on him. Yeah, I think they're just... Because he's related to Wolverine. Dog Sa- Yeah. Because Sabretooth says... Well, looky here. You must be the runt's big brother that nobody's ever heard of or cared about. And then Dog says something pretty cool here. He says, and you must be the guy who's always wished he was. Yeah. All right, then we switch very briefly back to Wolverine, sticking his claw through Deathstrike's shoulder. The bants are still falling. And um, now Idy's fire is on her left side, and her ice is on her right side. Now you're just... Basing that off of one frozen guy and one guy on fire. No, her hand's on fire. Uh-oh. And it stays that way for the rest of the book. Uh-oh. So I don't know if the first panel was wrong or if she can switch back and forth. Maybe she was looking in a mirror. Okay. But her thumb's still that way. Um, <laughs> I'm running out of reason. Right. Anyway, I need comes to see uh, Cade Kilgore and he starts hitting on her. And then This he- creeped me out. Because how old is he supposed well, to be? Well, they're both teenagers. They're both kids. Statutory? I don't know. Is it statutory when you're both underage? Well, if he's 16 and she's 14, uh, it's statutory. I don't know how. I think. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's old enough to drive yet. <laughs> and they, yet he runs a school. Right. So anyway, in a slightly other awkward scene, he gives her the Black Queen uniform. Which is all like dominatrix stuff. Yeah, with a nice pink flower. Yeah, and a dog collar. So he basically offers her to be the new black queen of the Hellfire Club. And talks about what a great honor it is. And we see one of the other, the white queen from the new Hellfire Club. She's coming to look for Kay she found a new kitty and she wants help skinning it. Gross. <laughs> but she overhears him offering Adi the black queen. And she thought that it was only one queen, so she gets jealous. And then they switch over to some video of Toad and Quentin Choir about to be attacked by Paige and the new Hellions. And Toad appeals to Paige. Paige, honey, please, there's something wrong with you. You have to see that. This isn't you, baby. And she's like, you're so embarrassing. I can't believe I ever let you put your tongue on me. Ew. Yeah. And she rips off her skin and she's got like half... Lava monster half wizard under there, it looks like. So then Glob punches Quentin Choir. His powers are still limited, but he's able to drum up a telepathic grenade and he tosses to Glob Herman. And uh, Toad says that he won't fight Paige. He's fighting everybody else. But he won't fight Paige. He won't fight Paige. And she says, I don't care. I just want you to die. She punches him with a big rocky arm. And then she kind of falters. She's like, wait, die? Really? Is that right? Why am I trying to is she die, you miserable? Is schizophrenic? 
Yeah, just go and schizo. Either that or like the Hellfire Club has something going on with her. I don't know. But she's been pretty unstable the whole time. Okay. I remember we kind of talked about that. Yeah. And we kind of talked about how it was cool that uh, Bradshaw draws her to look physically unstable to match her mental instability. Right. Right. Heidi says, it truly is beautiful to watch someone die. She says, if I'm going to join your Hellfire Club, Kane Kilgore, if I'm going to be by your side at all times, there's one thing we'll have to take care of first, brew. And he's like, brew? And she's like, yes, he's become overly protective and jealous, like my pet. <laughs> and he because says, Because oh. they treat him like one. All right. He goes, I'm not sure he would even allow me to have a boyfriend. And Cade's like, <laughs> cool. Boyfriend, is that is that what is that what this is? I wouldn't I wouldn't know. I've never had a girlfriend. And Idy comes out and her Her dog collar's on her uh, head. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> she put it in her fro. I didn't even realize that the first time. Anyway, she comes out looking way overly sexy for a supposed fourteen year old. With D cups. Yeah. And she says, get rid of Brew, and I'll be your black queen. And like, oh, that's easy. I shot him once. I can do it again. If if I close my eyes now, Idy, will you kiss me, please? And her eyes start lighting up. And we go back, and Wolverine's still fighting Deathstrike. I like how they show him sticking his cloth, like, in the top panel they land on this car. In the panel below, you see the inside of the car. And Wolverine's claws going through Death Strike and the top of the car. So you see like these bloody claws going through the roof. Looks pretty cool. <laughs> that was funny. The bamps are inside. Except he's like, not. His claws aren't going through the roof. His claw went through the engine. Well, the, the, that claw did. Oh. And that wasn't through Death Strike. I'm not real sure how the physics of that worked, but okay. But it's, I don't We're think going it, with it. It's supposed to be this claw right there, I think. But maybe not. I don't know. Either way, that's what happens. But Deathstrike shoots Wolverine, and Wolverine's like, Rachel, you need to come help me interrogate Deathstrike. And they're like, oh, well, we got another lead. We decided to uh, ask Krakoa what he knew. And I guess they find the evil Krakoa? Or one of the evil Krakoas? What is a Krakoa? All right, Krakoa is the island, that the giant-sized X-Men team, which was Wolverine and Nightcrawler and Colossus and Storm. Banshee and Cyclops, which was the new, like the first new X-Men team right. back in 75? Yeah, 75. Krakoa was this big mutant in the middle of the ocean. The whole the mutant was an island. So lost. No, I'm just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> and so basically at some point Krakoa came back and became the grounds of the school. Okay. And you, if you remember from a couple issues ago, the Hellfire Academy has like an evil Krakoa. Gotcha. That's the grounds of the school. But then this Krakoa says, I'm starting to wonder if they're all the same thing. Because he says he was born in the ocean, grown in Dr. Frankenstein's secret garden. Oh, no, not, they're not all the same. He says, with others of his kind. And he can show us where they are. Then we get a little earthquake. And then we see Idy kisses Kane with a fist of fire. Boom! Knocks him the F out. <laughs> and she kind of spills her plan. Says she only ever came here to find out who killed Brew. and now Or who shot Brew. And now she knows and she's going to kill him. And she throws a bunch of ice spears at him. 
And Kilgore says, see, this is why I never had a girlfriend. He gets some sci-fi gun and shoots into Idy. And then Brew is attacking Quentin Choir when he hears Idy scream and runs off. And um, Paige is still beating up on Toad. And he's like, please, baby, please, I love. And then we see Idy still at- attacking Kay Kilgore. And she's, gonna st- she's getting ready to kill him. And then she sees Toad on the screen saying that she won't fight, he won't fight Paige because he loves her. And Idy says, I have learned to hate and to kill. And she pulls up an ice spear. She's about to stab Kate Kilgore. Then we get another Wolverine interlude fighting uh, Deathstrike still, and they go underwater. Then we see Idy, and she says she's learned to feel nothing, and she starts to cry, and she's, we see Wolverine getting shot by Deathstrike underwater, but then a giant hand reaches out behind him. Then we see Idy comes to get uh, Quentin Choir, and she says, I've learned to do all this bad stuff, but I want to know what it feels like to love before I die. And uh, Quentin Choir says, Idy, I think I love you, because she says, Let's go, Quentin, we've got a school to destroy. And then we see Krakoa in his original form, walking through the ocean, and the X-Men are with him, and of course he's holding Deathstrike in his hand and Wolverine's on his shoulder. And there's bants all over his head. Rachel and Storm are flying and then some other X-Men are in the Blackbird. To be continued. All right, what'd you think? I flippin' loved it. Did you? Okay, cool. I read it one morning before I went to work while I was making breakfast. And yeah, that morning I burnt my eggs because I was too <laughs> enthralled in it. I, I don't know if it's... It, well, no, I know. It's the way it's set up. Because okay. it took me a while to figure out who was talking. Right. Then when you figure out it's Idy, and then she's kind of having this revel. She pretty much has a ginormous revelation right. throughout the entire comic. And then she kind of throws in this last little twist. I don't know. It it it, it was like it was a drug. I I literally was like, okay, what's she gonna learn now? What is she gonna do now? What do you mean this is it? Well, who's the big green thing? I da, 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 da. I need to know. I need, I need the next episode. <laughs> All right. What do you think of the art? Overall, I really love the art. Yeah, I like Bradshaw quite a bit, too. I, the cover, not so fond of. But the yeah, inside, but he's had really, really good covers, though. Yeah. This but, one just was... It really wasn't even off as far as art, because his characters still look really cool. It's just, it's like just we talked about, just, just a little too overwhelming. It's information overload. Right. But the inside, I loved it. And I loved all the action and the how fast it moved. It did move fast. And I think the little, like, Wolverine segues made the pace go faster. I agree. Because you know that the fight between him and Deathstrike is moving pretty quick. And I wouldn't expect to say that, like, this comic moved at that like in real time at the same time right. like probably not all that happened at the academy and the expanse it took wolverine to fight death right right but the way they cut cut it up makes it feel like it's all happening in this very breakneck speed well and on top of that because they only kind of gave you one panel of wolverine at a time right you literally were like no 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 <laughs> and then you you wanted to hurry up and read to see what was the next cookie all right and because they kept changing scenes you're like oh but i want to know what happened there i want to know right. what's id gonna do what's wolverine and it was you know yeah so it was an interesting choice and in pacing but it worked really well in this issue i thought it did so um i thought the art was fantastic i already kind of already said that um so i'm kind of kind of so so on id i feel like you kind of 
What's your opinion on her as a character in general in the arc that you've read so far? I don't feel like there's enough character development in the arc that I've read so far. Okay. Um, in fact, this is the first time I feel like there's any development in okay. her character. Um, the past couple of issues, I feel like they've just kind of, she's just been cold. Like she's obviously right. mentally going through something and she's just shutting herself off to everybody. And maybe that's partially why they use dialogue boxes to let you know, like, yeah, she was shut out, but this is why. Right. Well, and she had so, a very much a crisis of belief when she thought the priest shot Brew. Right. And so... Um, and that priest tried to like brainwash her like with religion. Like, I'm basically saying that because of her religion and because of of the X-Men that she was going to go to hell. Okay. So she had, a, she had a really existential crisis about that. So do you think, because this issue is pretty much exclusively through her point of view, do you feel like she had enough of a point of view? Was, was she a strong enough character to carry this issue? I think to carry this issue, if they do more issues where it's just her, I don't know if it can be sustained. Right. Well, Jason Aaron kind of, uh, you know, it's obviously, I've said this before, it's obviously very updated and modern, but he has a lot of the same good tricks that Chris Claremont had back in the in the classic days of X-Men, whereas different books would be from different characters' point of views and stuff. Right. And so I don't think we're going to get like an ID series. I think it's just he chose to tell this chapter of the story through her eyes and I liked it. All right, so what's your rating? Overall, love the art, love the storyline, love the writing. So I'm going to give it three claws. Okay, Denise gives Wolverine and the X-Men 33, three out of three claws. 33, three out of three. I'm going to give it a very strong two. I liked it a lot. I'm still trying to figure out whether I think ID, like with her powers and her character, how much I actually like her or not. <laughs> okay. So for me, I don't know, and plus, I don't want to sound like a prude, but... The fact that she's 14 and... The fact that they pointed out that she was 14 and then still drew her... Overly In kind of the classical or modern, like, sexy comic book girl. Like, it bothered me a little bit. So, but I thought it was, it was a good chapter in the story, but of the three parts we've had so far, I'd, I'd probably put it third out of the three. Okay. So, anyway, I'm going to give it a strong... Two out of three claws. Okay, next up we have Uncanny Avengers number 10. All right, so it's going to be written by Rick Remender, art by Daniel Acuna, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The cover is by John Cassidy and Laura Martin. Some pretty sweet cover. We have the uh, four brand new horsemen of death from the Apocalypse Twins, and they are the Reaper. Sentry, Banshee, and Dawkin. And they look pretty cool in the kind of apocalypse armor version of these guys. When they all have like their blue skin. That blue apocalypse hue. And they look like they're in some kind of like fire pit or like a volcano or something. It's a pretty cool image. And the contrast of like the red fire and the blue kind of skin. And almost like a Tron type suit that they have. So it's a very nice looking cover. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah, definitely like it a lot. All right, so remember where we are in this story. The Apocalypse Twins are, they've been traveling through time with Kang, and they're trying to um, basically defeat Kang and also fulfill their own apocalypse here on Earth. So that's what they're doing. So that's where we are. So we start off with Rogue bitching about Captain America and 
how he's a hypocrite and he's a fraud and he relies on a false sense of morality and he doesn't care about saving lives. He just wants to be right. I thought this was a little bit, I know like, Revengers trying to focus on like we have this team of X-Men and Avengers and they're the Unity team trying to show we can all work together but it's not really going so great and it's trying to show kind of some of the bickering and how this Unity team is not really that unified so I get that and I get that what's happened in the first few issues that Rogue has kind of PO'd Captain America and the Avengers but I understand her being angry but she's not re- I don't know this seemed a little bit out of character for where Rogue has come to. It, it more matches like where she was when she started. So it felt like a little bit of a step back to me for her. So I wasn't too crazy about this introduction. But we have um this whole like monologue is over Ozymandias running through Cairo. Remember he is one of um did you say he's kinda of like the scribe or the record keeper for Apocalypse through the ages. Anyway he's running and we get a voice off panel in some Thor font. <laughs> he says, I have a priority delivery for you. Crock! Hits him on the head with this hammer, the big Thor hammer. And he says, get up. You need to sign that you received it. I can see Thor just smirking to himself. And basically, we have a, a recon Uncanny Avengers team. It's um, Sunfire, Thor, Wolverine and Rogue, and they want to interrogate Ozymandias to find out where Akiba is, or the new location of Akiba. And they want to know quick. Thor grabs his hand, and Sunfire like shoots it. And he looks more like Merman in this panel than he's looked like in a long time. From He-Man, the uh, the Merman guy with the fish face. Yeah. So he definitely has some goldfish helmet going on. And he turns, crystallizes Ozymandias's hand into glass. And Wolverine says, it's better to cut you up if you're solid. And uh, we get a nice snicked. And uh, Wolverine's claws are real bloody, like where they come out. So I guess we're kind of, this is our hint to realize that all the healing factor stuff going on in the solo Wolverine book, then now it's kind of crossed over to this story as well. I'm assuming they don't come out and say it, which I'm glad they don't. I, I prefer the inference. And the inference is definitely like, his claws, in theory, would always bleed a little bit right around the skin when they open. And then it would heal up real fast and you wouldn't notice. But I guess the fact that these claws, there's a lot of blood on the base of the claws is just kind of showing that this story, the stories have now caught up to each other. And Wolverine's healing factor, whatever opinion you have of that story, is is now gone in this book as well. At least that's the uh, indication I got from this. Then we switch to Guatemala. And basically the Avengers, the Uncanny Avengers, are out searching old Akiba temple locations and finding that the Apocalypse Twins have burned all the old Acolytes. And so this one in Guatemala, we have Havoc and Scarlet Witch. And Scarlet Witch is sad because she feels like it's her fault because she, of M-Day she depowered, depowered all the mutants. And of course Wonder Man is kind of integrating the correspondence between all the teams on their missions. So through communications, he tells Scarlet Witch that it's not her fault. If you want to follow that logic, then really we just have to blame Magneto for having you. <laughs> he was your father, it's his fault. He would never have a baby, you would never done this, this would never happen, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't point that out to actually blame Magneto, but to show how ludicrous kind of her train of logic is. And of course, Havoc agrees. 
And we get a little more um, kind of conversation about Wonder Man's newfound pacifism. And then, you know, they continue to discover the temple has been destroyed and pillaged. There's no people except for dead bodies, no information. And Scarlet Witch says she's losing hope for her people as a mutant. That, like, she understands the old Professor X dream, but if superheroes can't even get along between mutants and humans, then how can normal people expect to? Eh, she's feeling kind of sad. A little bit of pity on herself, I guess. But then she realizes how strong Havoc is, because he says, I can't give up on this team, or on this vision, or on this dream. I gotta keep standing up for it. And she says that she really respected that when all the other X-Men kind of stormed off after the last fight, that um, Havoc stuck around. He was the only X-Man that kind of stuck around. Scarlet Witch respects that. And she noticed that Captain America respected it too. Just by the look on his face. And she gives him a big hug. Havoc kind of smiles like, ooh, this is nice. <laughs> but then they get attacked by a scree. And we turn the page and we get a nice half page. Horsemen of Death Banshee. And Akuna's page here looks really, really awesome. Banshee looks great. His kind of Tron uniform looks great. The The way he draws the Sonic Scream looks amazing. It looks really, really cool. And so he, he kind of goes to town on Havoc and Scarlet Witch. Kind of knocks them out. And he picks up Scarlet Witch. And he says, uh, basically he tells Havoc, kind of gives him a little family history. He says, your brother Vulcan killed me. Your brother Cyclops killed Professor X. You're a Summer's brother too. But for some reason, the Apocalypse twins have faith that you'll eventually be one of us. And it's kind of cryptic. Not exactly sure what he's talking about. But I guess... In some future, the Apocalypse Twins saw and or experienced that Havoc either, like, joined them or probably more likely did something inadvertently to help their mission. And so, regardless, they feel like he needs to be alive. So Banshee kicks him in the face while he's on the ground. Kick him on the down! Kicks him, knocks him out, and flies off with Scarlet Witch. I like that Acuna draws this where whenever Banshee's flying, his mouth is wide open. And it kind of looks silly, but it fits. Because a lot of times, like as much as I love the John Byrne stuff and Cockrum stuff we're going through in the flashback episodes right now, Banshee's face is very inconsistent. Sometimes he's talking, sometimes his mouth is really not very open at all, and he's flying around. But Acuna goes to Lynx to show you that whenever he's flying, he's like, So it's pretty cool. So then we go back to Avengers uh, Mansion, not the tower, but the old mansion. And Wonder Man's doing his thing, and we see all his various costumes. He's kind of got them set up like Batman does in the Batcave, like all the different Robins. But the power goes out, and the Reaper attacks, so brother versus brother. Then we switch to the Himalayas, and Captain America is with Wasp, looking at another former Acuba location. Cap's being pretty gruff, and Wanda's like, what's wrong? I like how, because the first panel we see him, Captain America's running, and Wanda's flying above his shoulder real tiny. Then we get like a red lightning bolt, and then a circle, and we get our close-up of the Wasp in her newish uniform, which uh, was kind of silly, but whatever. <laughs> Wasp is kind of silly in general, so what do you expect, right? So basically, Captain America talks about, he kind of opens up to Wasp, he says he feels bad because he knows like he's been on edge and kind of losing his edge a little bit at the same time. And he's been kind of gruff with people. And so he apologizes and talks about all. He may not have felt like he was gone for very long. He was actually gone in another dimension for decades. And a lot of really bad stuff happened there that really kind of 
broken in a lot of ways. And of course, we're referring to the remainder written Captain America series, the Marvel Now series that started over with Marvel Now, that first arc all about the Dimension Z with Baron Zola and stuff. So I'm kind of getting another kind of reference to another Marvel Now solo title as it's affecting this book. You know, we had the Wolverine thing and now we have the Captain America thing. Basically, they find out nobody's here either. I guess Wolverine and company got some answers. So they go to the island of Sokuria. Sokoira? Maybe? I don't know how you say that. I don't know if it's real or a Marvel place. But they're talking about the people there that are walking the city are holograms. Because there's no heat signatures, no nothing. And then Rogue and Thor start flirting. Uh, Thor had stuck up for Rogue during the last kind of confrontation between Captain America and Wolverine. And Rogue appreciates that. And Thor says, there is no need to thank me. You're an Avenger now. I'll always watch over you, Rogue. And Wolverine Light tells him to quit ask Raven. And it's time to go in. So Sunfire puts his goldfish helmet back on. And they walk in. Uh, so they find some, what do they call it? Um, advanced Pym particles. And basically they see this kind of shrunken galaxy, but they don't believe it. And Thor's like, they took the mighty Yarnborn. They can do whatever they want. Or at least they have the ability to do all this stuff. And then we get a nice sonic boom as Sentry attacks Thor and flies him off way into space. And then a giant sandworm, kind of like the one from Tremors, comes up out of the sand and swallows Wolverine. And then we see that Sentry takes Thor to this far off planet where there's gamma volcanoes and gamma lava. And he punches Thor into there and says, We need you alive for after this event. And we know you'll interfere if we leave you on Earth. Plus, you'll be safer here anyway, for the apocalypse is going to come to Earth. So he kind of knocks him out and leaves him on the planet. Then the, uh, the the sandworm comes into this throne room somewhere else back on Earth. And we see a, a figure on a throne. And the sandworm spits out what looks like a big glowing jelly bean. And Wolverine's inside. He cuts his way out. And turns out the dark, mysterious figure is Dawkins. His son that he killed has come back. And he ends the, the whole book on a snicked with his two claws. And it has what most people refer to as Kirby Crackle around the snick, Kind of showing that it's not just regular claws. There's some power behind this. A mysterious power. Cosmic power. Anyway, that's where we end up. Book was pretty good. It's kind of a, a breather. As far as the story goes, some of the Marvel Now updates kind of felt like a commercial, but it was okay. It wasn't too... The Wolverine was much more subtle because they didn't actually, like, say it. Whereas in the Captain America part, they actually, like, spelled it out and talked about it for you. Which I guess, yeah, I mean, it was cool to see why Captain America's been so grumpy. Because now we know he's back. I've been guessing... So did the Dimension Z story take place before the Red Skull or between the Red Skull and the Apocalypse Twins? I'm not sure. And we know he wasn't gone from our time for very long, so I don't know. But anyway, I'm still really digging the overall arc. The story was good. Art was pretty good, like I said. I think his style really fits this Apocalypse Twin stuff. And we don't see much of them. But like I said, the Banshee looks really awesome. So I don't know. I feel like, didn't just a couple issues ago, like, wasn't Janet, I'm not Janet, wasn't Janet the Wasp? hitting on Havoc, and now Scarlet Witch is hitting on Havoc. Like, I, mean, I know he's a cool dude, but didn't also Rogue kind of flirt with him a little bit? And now she's flirting with Thor. So we're getting like a very, like, I don't know, like, web of soap opera. 
opera romance type here, which, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. That can be interesting. All right, well, overall, the pace slowed down a little bit, but I'm okay with that. Every story needs to breathe, and this arc is no exception, and we got enough stuff to be pretty cool. So I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers number 10 three out of three claws. Okay, so last up for this month, we have Where's Logan? And Logan is in three different books to end the month of July. The first one I didn't get. Uh, it's Wolverine in the Flesh. I flipped through it. Looks kind of dumb. From what I gathered, without actually reading any words, <laughs> is that Wolverine teams up with a reality TV star chef. And they fight some evil cook or chef or whatever. Looked really stupid, so I didn't buy it. And, you know, apparently not many of you did either, I don't think. Because I put a thing on Facebook asking for a volunteer to submit a review of it for the podcast. And nobody took me up on the offer. So I'm going to take that to me. Not that you ignored the post, but that none of you actually bought the book. So for the intents and purposes, the official stance of the podcast that goes snicked is that this book does not actually exist. So Wolverine is also in New Avengers number 8. A Prelude to Infinity, What Maximus Made. This is written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Mike Diodato, who I guess over the last few years has kind of dropped the junior, though it's still in his signature on the cover, so maybe not. But anyway, colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover is by Mike Diodato and Marte Gracia. The cover is cool. We have like a purple background with kind of like a big picture of Maximus. And then in the foreground are the Inhumans. There are some more of the Inhumans. Black Bolt looks really cool. And the green wizard fish guy looks pretty cool. The rest of the Inhumans look okay. <laughs> so, but overall, it's a pretty good cover. Okay, so, you know, when we've talked about the Avengers book on this podcast, since Marvel Now, since Hickman took over, you know, I kind of mentioned that I, I buy that book kind of sporadically. And I paid Hickman a compliment and that I thought that he was writing a story that, yes, he has this big overall arc, but you can kind of jump in and out without getting lost. And I thought that was kind of to his credit. Not saying that every story has to be that way. Some stories, you know, the parts need to, I guess, be more tightly interwoven and you need to read them all. And that's cool too. But this book is definitely the latter. Uh, I don't, I actually haven't read any of the new Avengers since Marvel Now started. Honestly, because it's based on the Illuminati and not many of those characters I care that much about. Black Bolt, uh, you know, I've never actually read The Inhumans, really, having not been a very big Fantastic Four fan. Neymar, I like in small doses. Reed Richards, well, I just said I wasn't much of a Fantastic Four fan. Well, I'm familiar with him, but he's not my favorite character. Um, Iron Man, I like in Avengers, but never really got into his solo stuff. So again, I like him in certain situations. I, Beast, I like a lot. Doctor Strange, I pretty much hate. And Black Panther, I've always thought looked really cool. And I like the concept a lot of like, you know, this advanced African nation and he's the leader and the spirit god and stuff. I just, whenever I've tried the book, I've always had trouble getting into the actual stories. So I like the character, but don't always necessarily, I don't know. I guess I like his guest appearances more than his him being the focus of a book, I guess. So since this book is mostly about that cast of characters, I really haven't been reading it. I picked this one up because Wolverine's in it, though barely, and also because it's a prelude to Infinity, which I'm pretty stoked about. 
All right, but anyway, the point I was trying to eventually get around to is that I really don't have any idea what's going on in this book. I mean, I caught some general concepts, but, um, all right, so Tony Stark is back from space. I don't know if that's referring to his space adventure in his solo book or the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff or both, but him and Reed Richards are talking about something. And we see a flashback of Iron Man on the moon. It was like he killed somebody. Some giant golden robot with purple hair. And the watcher is watching him and doesn't look too happy. Though I guess they never look happy. I have no idea what that's about. And Iron Man, instead of like giving some kind of glimpse of what's going on, tells Reed Richards, I'll tell you about it later. Alright, so thanks for that. <laughs> so we get no clarification there. I do like the way Diodato draws his new space armor. That looks pretty sweet. So then they start talking about eliminating variables, world systems. Iron Man thinks the world is breaking down. They talk about these excursions. I don't know if that's referring to what's going on in the Avengers book with the builders or not. They don't say. I don't recall that exact term from the other title. So maybe this is something different. But they're happening more often. So that led me to believe, you know, because in regular Avengers... Bruce Banner was talking about how the accelerated rate of the communications things that the aliens were sending off. So, I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't the same thing. Anyway, apparently, Adelan is the home of the Inhumans, is now floating on like a metal meteor or asteroid or whatever, floating above Manhattan. And uh, Maximus is made... All right, this part's kind of cool, this concept. He's made like this giant metal ball. And inside, all sound is rendered without pitch. So instead of Black Bolt always, whenever he opens his mouth, the sound destroys everything. Like inside here, Black Bolt can talk. And so they come out and, uh uh-oh, there's Medusa. So Maximus makes himself scarce. Medusa talks about she feels distant from her husband. She wraps him up in her 80 foot, 80 quadrillion feet of hair and um they go inside this this ball so they can actually talk to each other i guess that's why black bolt had it invented so he can converse with his wife finally so now before when maximus and black bolt went in it was like rocky cliffs but now it's like this um forest and medusa looks kind of like um poison ivy but black bolt looks really cool um basically he's all black now like his face and everything like his uniform is almost like he's made out of shadow he looks really cool and then the white like lightning bolt stuff on his uniform is now glowing it looks kind of like tron and the uh pitchfork thing that's on his forehead is also glowing in his eyes so medusa kind of complains that she feels like black bolt is hiding things from him and he does something is very cryptic says what we are what we will be and he holds up like what looks like the terrigen crystals in his hands and then they vibrate or do something so i guess he's gonna do something with the crystals whatever he's doing it pisses medusa off and she slaps him and storms out then we go to necropolis the city of the dead in Wakanda. Namor is trying to come to a mutual solution, a partnership if you will, with this black swan lady. I don't know who she is or what she's doing, uh, but she's apparently likes to read. She's sitting in a dungeon somewhere, or a ruin maybe. She has a nice armchair and stacks and stacks of books. Black Panther shows up and says he needs to show Namor something. They go to this courtyard. There's a table and a bunch of Wakandan royal guards. And so I did know, vaguely, that Wakanda and 
and Atlantis were at war because when Neymar was one of the Phoenix Five, he destroyed a big part of Wakanda. And so he had reached out to the Queen. I didn't know. Some uh, Black Panther, I guess, has been demoted. He's no longer king of Wakanda, but his sister is now queen. And so Neymar's assuming this meeting is about that to discuss terms of peace, but no, they're actually just distracting him to betray him. And Neymar flies off as we see some White Panther guys underwater with some fancy suits and they're attacking Atlantis. And Neymar says, this is not done. And Black Panther says, it never is. Here we go to Avengers Tower and we see, uh-oh, besides all this excursion stuff they're dealing with, now there's an invasion. All these spaceships start to land in New York. Doctor Strange sees it. In Wakanda, spaceships are also landing. And the Jean Grey School, aliens are landing. And when you see this guy that's been in all the promo art for Infinity, it's kind of a Thanos' right hand man or whatever. So then we, this is where we see Wolverine as the aliens land on the school grounds and approach the building. Wolverine comes out with armor and beast and we get a double snick. And then we see also the aliens are invading Atlantis and Neymar got back just after the battle was ended, we see the bodies of Atlanteans and White Panthers, and he's holding a body screaming, No! I guess underwater me. Anyway, so that's the issue. So I really don't have any idea what all these kind of stories are talking about, but I know that it ends with an alien invasion that's going to lead to infinity, and that part's really cool. So the art's really good, but I'm just, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> I don't really have any idea what's going on. I like more where the issue ends, but as far as what actually happens in the issue, um, no, it was okay. I'm, I'm going to give New Avengers number eight two out of three claws. We'll, we'll see where it goes as we actually get into Infinity. All right, so next up, Wolverine is in Scarlet Spider number 19. This is Wrath Part 3, written by Chris Yost and Eric Burnham. Pencils by Carlo Barbary. Wong, Polo, and Bit do the inks. Locust. Soto and Fabella did the colors, and Horatio Dominguez did additional art. VC's Joe Caramagna is the letterer, and Stegman and Delgado did the cover. Pretty sweet cover. We have Wolverine and Scarlet Spider like an all light blue tone, and they're attacking some ninjas that are all in red and black tone with a solid red background. It looks pretty sweet. Uh, so nice cover by Ryan Stegman. Looks really nice. All right, so remember that Scarlet Spider was trying to get out from under the thumb of the Assassin's Guild, so he convinced Wolverine to go with him to fight the Assassin's Guild so he would be safe from their influence, and we went to New Orleans, and when we left off, the Red Death arrived. So Yost, again, writes a good Scarlet Spider. Um... <laughs> One of the lines here, uh, the Red Death has trapped Wolverine and Scarlet Spider in some kind of magic fog. And Scarlet Spider's commenting on that and he says, Next to me, an unkillable mutant made of equal parts body hair and metal. <laughs> Oh, that was pretty funny. It refers to the Red Death chick, Chandra. Refers to her as a half-naked zombie lady. Oh, that was pretty funny. And we get a flashback that I don't remember. I vaguely remember it. When the X-Men back sometime in the 90s fought Chandra and defeated her. Uh, we have Wolverine with his bone claws. We have Cyclops and Jean Grey in their 90s costumes. But basically, 
Conjure reveals that yes, they destroyed her body, but not her soul. And she's back. And she feeds on death. And that gives her power. And she looks at Scarlet Spider and Wolverine says, Both of you have been touched by death, but it was not permanent. I feel like if I eat your souls, I will have the ultimate power. But, and this part is kind of silly. I guess the Scarlet Spider, I guess, can talk to spiders. And so he calls a little spider down from the ceiling and it lands on the Red Death's face and tries to bite her in the eye and she panics, freaks out, screams, and the fog dissipates so our heroes are free. The Scarlet Spider thwips her with his webs in the eyes and Wolverine comes on top of her with a double snicked, but Kandra zaps her, or zaps Wolverine and he flies across the room. And then... Uh, Belladonna sticks all the assassins on our heroes. For reasons not yet revealed, she wants to protect the Red Death. And Scarlet Spider moves in for the kill, but Belladonna blasts him. And the color and the art on this blast looks really cool. Like, the color dispersion looks really, really great. Like, I'll point out just again, uh, I really like Barbary's art. It's really, I don't know, got some nice action. And just, I'm a fan. So... Scarlet Spider attacks Belladonna and is like, why are you helping this lady? It doesn't make any sense. And then uh, the Red Death rips the webs off of her face, peeling some of the skin with it. And we see more zombie face. And um, Wolverine comes up and we get another snick as he stabs her in the back. And she's getting really, really weak. So she starts killing all the assassins because I guess they're not as hard to kill as Wolverine and Scarlet Spider. And she uses their souls and their deaths to get back stronger. And she's just killing assassins left and right and growing insane in power. But Scarlet Spider leaves Wolverine and there's like a random team of villains that was with the Assassin's Guild. So they all charge but Condor's just tearing through them all. Except we get nice giant spikes through Wolverine. She's floating bullets, Matrix style. Scarlet Spider gets away, but he gets zapped again. And then this creepy girl in the nightgown, the teddy bear, who's supposed to be like having the strength of the Hulk or whatever. She comes and knocks Belladonna out and tells Scarlet Spider to fix things. And then Wolverine tries to attack Kendra again, but she levitates him in the air. And while she's concentrating on floating Wolverine, we get a shunk as Scarlet Spider gets out his stinger and stabs Kendra in the back of the head. And that that does it, at least for now. And she decays at a rapid rate. And Belladonna's upset. All right, and this is where we change art, because it's definitely a step down from Barbary. Oh, I'm sorry, the page where we start floating Wolverine is where we change art. It, we do get a random... There's a snack, which is a sound Wolverine makes when his claws go in. And they've defeated the enemy, so it makes sense for his claws to go in, but his claws don't go in. So I'm not sure what the snack is for. Unless we're saying the same sound is made when Scarlet Spider pulls his stinger in. I guess that's possible. Anyway, Belladonna reveals why she was protecting the Red Death. Because no matter what happens, the Red Death always comes back. And each time she comes back with a vengeance and madder than she was the time before. So Belladonna was hoping to have the Assassin's Guild in her good graces the next go around but now she can't and she orders the assassins to kill Wolverine and Scarlet Spider which I don't know why she thinks they'll be able to do it now they haven't been able to do it for three whole issues but whatever but someone comes in and says stop and it's the arranger and he informs Belladonna that the kingpin has just bought out the assassins guild and that Wolverine and Scarlet Spider are not sanctioned at this time for death Belladonna is mad but she can't do anything about it so Wolverine says all right now's our time let's kill them all and Kane's like, no, this is my idea. This is my plan. Wolverine's like, 
you're an idiot. And he punches him. And uh, Scarlet Spider's like, yeah, I deserve that. So anyway, they're flying back on the Blackbird. The mission's over, I guess. Wolverine's talking to Beast on the intercom. And Beast's like, do you have our foe Spider-Man? He's like, yeah, he's coming back against my better judgment. And Beast is like, oh, thank goodness. I cannot wait to return young Miss Araceli to his custody. And Wolverine's like, why? And then uh, she busts on the intercom and says, is that a radio, Dr. Beast? Are you talking to Kane? Hi, Kane. Was New Orleans great? Did you try some gumbo? Was it Mardi Gras? Did you? And Beast is like, Logan, please hurry. And Wolverine looks at Kane and says, kid sounds like a real headache. And he's like, you have no idea. And then Wolverine imparts some superhero wisdom to the Scarlet Spider. He says, but she ain't nothing compared to the headache you're going to have when doing deals with the devil starts to catch up to you. I'm just saying, you don't go and show guys like Fisk, Kingpin, you're worth something unless you want them to try and get their peace. <laughs> and Scarlet Spider says, huh. And basically says that he's made deals with the devil before he'll work it out. If anybody wants a piece of me, well, they can get in line, tough guy. All right, so that's that. Um, all right. That was a fun end to a really fun story. I really like the way Yost writes. I like his dialogue. Everything's always pretty quick paced and exciting. Lots of action, but also lots of humor. Art was really good until the switch, and then it was okay. It wasn't bad. This uh, Horatio Dominguez did a he did a serviceable job, but uh, Barbary I like a lot more. <laughs> so his art was really good. Yeah, it was a good story. Wolverine I felt like was not. Out of character, uh, I feel like Yost gets him pretty good, so that was good. Um, yeah, I'm going to give Scarlet Spider number 19, three out of three claws. All right, so that's going to wrap up. Where's Logan? Okay, so that's going to do it for uh, all the Wolverine books of July 2013. Episode 46 is a wrap. So, of course, remember, you can uh, leave an iTunes review. If you want to look at show notes or other things, you can go to the actual website. That's nickcast.podbean.com. Uh, you can search for us and like us on Facebook. Uh, if you want the actual URL, that's facebook.com slash podcast fan page. And you know, I kind of talked about this on the last uh, Digital Wolverine episode, but I think it'd be really cool if to help me celebrate both my 50th anniversary and my first year of podcasting, and we can get up to 20 likes on Facebook. So we need like four more. And I know there's a lot more than 20 people listening to the show, so please, to wish the podcast happy birthday, I will accept gift cards or a Facebook like. The like is cheaper, just saying. So anyway, go to get on there if you want. Twitter, our handle is at SnickCast. Or you want to email comments, questions, theories, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what you like about the comics, what you don't like about the comics. That email is SnickCast at Yahoo.com. So, all right. Well, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye.